0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 5 of the Northern Ireland podcast with Adam and Andy.
1: Previously you've heard from Michael O'Neill, Stephen Cragen, Trevor Carson and Warren Feeney. You can watch those episodes back on YouTube or listen to them on iTunes and Spotify.
0: But today's guest brought about those great nights here at the National Football Stadium at Windsor Park against Spain and England. We talked to him about the circumstance that led to him becoming Northern Ireland manager and the circumstance that led to his departure. So enough talking and let's hear from today's guest, Laurie Sanchez. So hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Northern Ireland podcast. We are joined today by former Northern Ireland manager, Laurie Sanchez. Welcome, Laurie, good morning. Thank you very much for your time. Um, first of all, how are you? How are things? I'm very good, thank
2: you. Um, keeping well, healthy, fit, um, what can you want in life?
0: And first of all, what is it you're up to nowadays?
2: Um, I'm doing an MBA um, at uh, University of Salford. I've just started that um, two year course, um, part, well, part time. It's two years distance learning, so you go there two days a month, and then the rest of the time you have to do your own reading and such like obviously we have webinars and stuff like that to modern learning, um, and that's chi- been in the Chief Executive of a sports organisation, so um, it's the first one in the world, apparently, um, and it's got very good credentials, and it's um, one of the first cohorts on it, and uh, we're just coming up for our, well, we finish
0: in May, which is the end of our first year. How many years did you say that was going Two years. Two years, very yeah. good. Well, good luck for the rest of that. Thank um, you. Obviously, as you know, today we're here to talk about your time as Northern Ireland Manager, and to get all the insights on those famous nights that you provided at Windsor Park and going back through the memory books. But first of all, just to kind of take us through chronologically, would be our thought process, was to start right from the beginning. Obviously, you appointed manager in January of 2004. What, right. what was the process of that? What was the first time you were thought of interested in the job when it became available? Um,
2: well, the first time I actually, when I was Wickham manager and um, the previous manager, um, Sammy McElroy, um, he he got the job actually when I was Wickham manager and, and I um, well he didn't get him he was there and then um, he'd been I'd managed against him in one team I thought well you know perhaps that's in the career path for me obviously I played three times for Northern Ireland I was doing okay at Wickham at the time and you're looking at your next stage and such like and I thought well you know in the back of my mind Northern Ireland might be um, a scenario um, Sammy gets the the bullet in the October, I think, or November. Um, I get the bullet in the November as well, I think, um, at Wickham, and the two things coincided. So, um, I put in an application to the to the IFA, and I'd interviewed, um, I'd interviewed with the current, I think, Chris uh, Nichol, um, Chris Nichol, um, Chris, Nickel, Chris um, he's the system manager at the moment. Jimmy Nichol? Jimmy Nichol, sorry, apologies. Um, interviewed as well um, I think they offered him the job I'm not sure I think they I have to ask him I think they offered him the job but could, he couldn't get out of his contractual negotiations with his club at the time um, he was in Scotland um, they said to me you know uh, we're trying to sort out um, the decisions between you two but obviously uh, Jimmy's got contractual problems and then they finally decided well uh, you can't get out of them when we'll want to offer you the job which was um, you know it, Brilliant to be fair. I mean, it, it, it suddenly gone from being um, sacked you know, after five years as a division, two managers, was then, to international management in one step. But you know, something that, um, although I was being paid less, so when I say about the step up, I mean, step down, I was getting paid an awful lot less than I was getting paid at Wickham. So it shows you what the IFA was at that time, you know. But I wanted the challenge. Um, I thought I could do something there. They hadn't won for. Twelve games or something, and one and scored and yeah. scored a goal for thirteen something ridiculous. Um, finished their group bottom um, without winning a game. Uh, I think they actually got four points. was quite an achievement because they got four draws, didn't they? So um, I thought, well, back on I thought, well, I can't do any worse, put it that way. Um, you know, being quite cynical about it, but I thought I could change things around. And you always want a challenge. I mean, and it was it was a whole new thing to me, um, the international aspect. Um, we did. We did. I think we um, we scored a goal in our first game. I think David Healy scored in the first game. Then in our second game, I think we beat Estonia away, didn't we? I think Healy scored again. Um, and from then onwards, we went from 124th in the world to when I left, I think we were 27th. I'd like to have got to the 100 places. Um, that, that, <laughs> I, I was desperate to get to the 100 places. Round uh, figure. Yeah, um, but it sh- just shows us this, this, the achievement over the course of the time there, really. Like that that first game, I remember my brother was at that
1: game and he came back and obviously he lost the first game four one but he was so happy. Like it, it was it was such a barren spell, you know, <laughs> like over a thousand minutes or something ridiculous without a goal it was four one and he came back and he like, It was four one, it was four one. I couldn't but I was like, Why why are you so happy that and he's like, just to get
2: that goal I think it was such a massive Massive deal with the Northern Ireland fans at that time. I, th- I think the Belfast Telegraph famously carried the headline that um, we've lost four-one, but we scored. And that, was <laughs> the, that was the main. That was the main thing. Um, I remember the game. I think it was one of the Scandinavian countries. I forget to give me what it was, uh, but um, I made the pitch very narrow because my thinking was, you know, if we're not a very good team, let's make the pitch as small as possible. And it gives us a chance to get about better teams. So I made the pitch uh, very small um forgetting that they had um one of their players had a long throw didn't they I'm trying to think of the fullback he used to play for Man United. Oh, obviously, the name escapes me. But he had an exceptionally long throw. The only trouble was when he went to throw it, he was he, the pitch was so narrow he was throwing it past the far post, which pre because before I mean he'd been hitting the near post, obviously he hadn't realised that I'd made the pitch shorter. Um so yeah that I, I do remember that from the first game. But it it was um it was a start of things. I mean and as I say to lose four one and get um and the headline being, we scored. I mean, just showed how low Northern Ireland had fallen at that stage. So that was great. Um, obviously going to Estonia the next game, I remember that and, and winning there. Um, and from as I say, from then onwards, we we,
0: we we pushed our way forwards. And that first win in Estonia, how much did that mean to you as the manager to kind of get a win in just your second game with where Northern Ireland were at that time?
2: Well, I'd said when I'd taken over that um, that you know my three priorities were one score a goal, two to get a win and three to go up the world rankings. So the, the first two were crossed off in the first two games, which was great, got them out of the way. Um, I think thereafter, we then went on a, a trip to the Caribbean, we had a trip to the Caribbean, and we went undefeated in that trip. And I think we got up to four or five games undefeated, which was you know great for the players, confidence, that all of a sudden going from couldn't win to could win, and then couldn't get beaten. You know, So the, 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 you don't do things overnight, everything's a progression. Um, and changing the mentality of the team at the time, who um, that being disrespectful to all the players because no, they weren't all like that. Some people viewed International Week as a week away from their clubs where they could have a well, you know, a couple of nights out and a few drinks, and there was a game at the end of it. And that was, as I say, it wasn't. It, it was a minority of people that and. I saw that, I spoke what well, with Gould about it, because he had the same situation at Wales, you know, that um, this sometimes was a viewing of failing international teams, it was it's just a good chance to get away and have a bit of fun with your mates, you know. Um, a break from their normal season, football season. So, um, once we weeded those people out of the game, and I, I won't name names, but I think it's become self-evident who they were during the course of my time there, um, we ended up with a group of players that dedicated to what they were doing, prepared to come, um, because that was another big problem. I mean, f- pulling out squads was a, was a was, you know, when you're a losing team. I, I remember when to see him in the conversation with Mick McCarthy, um, when um, one of his players pulled out injured, um, and I said to him at the time, I said, Mick, I'm gonna f- five day rule in here, which is still available, you can still five day rule, I think all nine actually have done it since, haven't they, or they threatened it since. And i threatened it, in. and Mick phoned me up, and he said, um, this was the manager of and said you can't do that, Laurie. I said, what do you mean I can't do it? You know, he said, I never had to do that when I was a public manager. I said, yeah, Mick, you were going to World Cup Finals and European Championships. Your players had something to qu- go to squads for. My players have got nothing to come to squads for. They've been beaten for the last three or four years. It's, a, it's, a, it's nothing beyond re- representing their country. Um, and I also, um, amazingly, I it of Peter Taylor as well, was the two managers phoned me up and I said to him, I said to I remember saying to Mick, do you not see the irony of this situation as a former international manager? And he said, Laurie, when I work for the Republic, I do what's best for the Republic. When I work for Sunderland, I do what's best for Sunderland. <laughs> he, I mean, a, you know, he's a typical northern, he, 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 and he's right. I mean, that, that's what he was. Um, so that five-day rule worked. I mean, I, I changed one or two things. Like, the players had to phone me and tell me why they weren't coming. They had my number, and on Saturday night, they had to phone me. So I had to wait around on a Saturday night, which was a pain in the butt, to be fair, waiting for these phone calls to come through. And... They pho- I mean, to be fair, they never of phone a phone when you could, when you and I said you had to phone me personally. I said I don't want your agent to phone me. I don't want your wife to phone me. I don't want your girlfriend to. Phone- I don't want your mum to phone me. You phone me and tell me what's wrong with you. Um, and I was playing phone me and phone me up and say, Oh yeah, I'm injured. I said yeah, but you played all ninety minutes. I said yeah, I was carrying it for the last ten or fifteen. I said, Will you report or five day, five day? Um, and the very fact that they had to phone me up and tell me cut down a lot of people pulling out of squads before they used to phone David Curry up and say David, not in, I've got this. Tell the manager. You know, it's easy to do that, you know. Or the club used to phone up, to get the doctor to phone up. I said, no, I don't want the doctor, you phone me up. So that, that cut down a few absentees. We got over that absentee thing, which was a big, big problem um, for, not just me, for international management before me. Because as I say, there was nothing in it at the end of them for forum. They were going to a situation where they go in, playing, getting beaten, going back to their clubs, having the mick taken out of them. So to a certain extent, you can understand it. But to change the mentality, you had to go all through these processes, Is that one of the processes I went through. So finding those players
1: that are really invested and in coming away with the team, what's more important to you in in terms of, as a manager, quality of the player or passion for playing for your country?
2: Passion for playing. Without, uh, I mean Tony Capaldi is a great example. I mean Tony he had um, played an awful lot for me, um, and he his connection with Northern Ireland wasn't as as tight as some people. I think his his parents were Northern nice. Irish. He had, he wasn't born in Northern Ireland. Um, so, you know, to certain extent, it's just he's, 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 he's first generation, if you want. Um, and he was, he wanted to play. I, I asked him, he came to all the places in the world, sat on a bench, blah, blah, blah. And when he got in the team, you know, he played an awful lot of international football. And, you know, that's what you wanted. You wanted that passion. I mean, I was very lucky in the fact that, you know, there were the diehards. I mean, David Healy would turn up no matter what, you know, and got his just rewards because he became the greatest goal scorer in Northern Ireland's history, didn't he? And, um, Goals per game ratio outshot most of the other internationals, major internationals at clubs. In fact, in one championship he had scored Ibrahimovic, Raul, um, um, uh, was the other Spanish forwarder at Chelsea? Um, Torres. Torres. He had scored them, cumulatively, in the European Championship, which is a phenomenal achievement, uh, considering how many chances they had at goal, considering how many chances we had at goal. So, you know, um, and Glesby, I mean Glesby's a classic. I mean, I don't think he was too enamoured with me when I took over. I mean he played he played to me, he wasn't too enamoured with me. Um but over the course of time he saw what I was doing. And at the end of the day, I saw him on the field arguing with players to do what we were taught what I was teaching him to do. So, you know, that development of a player, I think, probably through him um some was as much as anything. Hi, I'm Stephen Cregan, and you're
0: listening to the Northern Ireland Podcast. And just a game to speak about before we go on to England and that win would be the Wales game at the Millennium Stadium, a game that I think lots of northern fans still remember, the 2-2 draw.
2: I was watching the rugby on Saturday and I, thinking, I was thinking, you know, probably the last time that was full would have been when we were there, playing under the closed roof, uh, 10 against 9 at the end of the game. Um, that, was, that was an unbelievable night of football, I mean that has got to be one of my, you know, Proudest moments and, and best remembered moments of my football career that night. I mean, you had to be there. I mean, the fans are fantastic. The closed roof meant there was a great atmosphere in the place. We brought over what five thousand fans to to Wales to watch that game, um, and it was just phenomenal. I mean, it. it, it I remember saying to I remember after um, David was sent off. So obviously we've got um, Michael Hughes sent off and Robbie Savage to start with. So down to ten to ten. Then he. Um, uh, David gets sent off for celebrating the goal, so we're down to nine versus ten. And I said to—I remember saying to Terry Gibson—what formation are we playing at this moment in time? Because I've <laughs> never played with nine men before. So we got four-four. <laughs> One 4-4 four, four is our formation, um, and uh, it, it was just a tremendous, a tremendous night. I mean, I. I the result we got and how the players played and just the whole, it, it was international football at its best. Um, and that gave us great credibility as well within the Northern Ireland fans, I think, that night. Um, and that night, Tony Capaldi was absolutely outstanding. I mean, he played as left-back, wing-back, centre-forward all in the one game, didn't he? I mean, in fact, you think he had a chance to win it at the end when he had a one-on-one with a keeper when he broke away in the 90th minute when we were playing with, you know, nine men. when I mean, you should be knackered. But um, yeah, that, that was a that was a fantastic night. What are you thinking when that second red card goes up? But we were a bit amused, to be fair. I mean, um, we didn't know what he was for. I mean, it was for taking his shirt off or something, wasn't it, I think? I can't, he, he celebrated and went across, and then the next thing we know, he's sent off. And I said to Gibbo, what's he sent off for? He said, we didn't know what he was sent off, we were just, but I remember just talking to Gibbo and, and it was going on thinking, I said, I remember saying, this is great fun, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the heat of the moment, everything's going, you're looking around thinking, cool, this is great fun." You're in charge of all this, you know. And it was like Mark Hughes' last game for Wales because he then went on and took the Blackburn job the day after, didn't he? Um, so there was a lot of things about that game. But um, I remember talking to one player I'd left out actually, um, and he'd. I said to him, "Look, you're not in, you're not in the team. You're not in the squad because blah blah blah." Um, and he was obviously disappointed because he, he expected to be on the bench and he, and he wasn't. And that's before the days you had twenty two subs or whatever how many subs you were allowed now. Mm -hmm. So some members of the squad could turn, which was which to be fair that is a great change of rule. It means you don't turn up, don't bother putting kit on and watch it from the from the I mean I remember taking Brunt and Davis to Azerbaijan and they sat up in the up in the um as young kids, they were sat upstairs because we couldn't have them on the bench because it was five subs then or something, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. So you had squad to train with the twenty and five of them sat upstairs and and it was obviously, you know, what am I doing here type thing you can understand. So it's a good rule change there. But um he uh I, I said to him, Look, I know you're disappointed and but you will be involved in future squads. Don't don't um don't do anything stupid. Um, you know, don't charge off home or anything like that anyway. He's got in his car and he's driven driven um up the motorway and then he's turned around and come back having thought about it, he turned around and come back. I saw him after the game and he said to me, Laurie, you're right, he said, it would be stupid to have left this squad because you know, we're going to do good things. And that, that really, you know, someone that had been, I don't know, to, you know custard pie for that game, um, had bought into it as well, you know. So there was a lot, there was a lot of, uh, I think the one thing I've got to say, my legacy, if anything, with Northern Ireland, is probably they went from a team that were getting beaten, they were expecting to get beaten, they had no real aspirations about anything to a team when I left were top of their group um, for the World Cup and I think that mentality, that change of mentality across the players across the games like the Wales game, the England game, the Spain game gave them the base on which you know um, Michael was able to build that this can be done and I think you know I know it's different players but there's a lot of the same players to be fair I mean the Johnny Evans this world I gave his debut to Steve Davis I gave his debut to. Aaron Hughes was still hanging in there at the end with Beardy and that when they went to European Championship. But that that players saw from what it was to what it could be. And that change of that mentality set, I think, it gave a gave a foundation on which Michael was able to build to what he's done
0: himself in getting the team, you know, to a European championship, almost to a World Cup. Because that was going to be my next question, you mentioned it a few times there. was only a few months later after that Wales game you gave Stephen Davis his debut. Mm. When did you first kind of come across Dave? We,
2: we took him to Azerbaijan, as I said, for a bit of pull-outs, as you do Azerbaijan, wants to go to Azerbaijan, you know. To be fair, Azerbaijan's quite nice, actually, if actually go I mean, We've there. been to here recently. Yeah, it's so lovely. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you, anyway, we, we're going to go in there and obviously there was pull-outs and such like because there was nothing in the game and you know, people had this and that. So we called up Steve Davis and called up Brunty as well, um, and we took them both there, and Steve—well, certainly Steve Davis, i don't know about Chris one, but Steve Davis certainly came with us, and he impressed us in training. He was like this eighteen-year-old kid; he hadn't made his debut for Villa, and he was outstanding. And me and Gibbo looked at each other, thinking, "Really, he should be in the squad." But he's only a kid, and I can't—you know—if I'm going to leave anybody upstairs, it's got to be the kid, to be fair, <laughs> rather than, than the—you know—the experienced pros. But we were impressed with what we saw with him. Um, Later on, uh, when we took a squad to uh, the US um, during the Canada, didn't go to Canada. I think it was didn't go to Canada. That was his his game was Canada, wasn't it? His debut. His debut was it when we lost to Canada? I think.
1: Yeah, I it was, that one was. His debut, yeah,
2: Windsor Park. Or? Yeah, no, it didn't go down well with the fans. But we um, <laughs> we uh, don't like it. It's funny how you go from losing all the time to suddenly start winning, and they don't like losing, right now, <laughs> which is you know, you can understand. But um, we went to. Uh, American, I made him captain. I think he was the youngest Northern Ireland captain, wasn't he? At 21 uh, yeah, of that. Against Uruguay? Yeah, Giant Stadium, I think it was. I mean, we, were yeah. playing, we were playing Uruguay in Giant Stadium in front of about two, I was 2,000 people, 200 and, in the hundreds, it was. But um, this massive uh, Quite that was quite a bizarre experience as well. So he came on that tour, but he grew on that tour because we had a lot of the younger players on that tour because obviously experienced players end the season had, for various reasons, decided not to go. Um, and i think that, that, that tool made him it made him as captain in the other people's eyes as well, you know. I know Aaron Hughes um did captain, but as a future captain, he 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 laid down all the markers in that tour. He was outstanding as a player, outstanding in his in his behaviour. Um and that's why I took him to Fulham to be fair. I mean he was very unfortunate at Fulham. Um he, uh, Fulham he was he was he was squeezed out by more experienced pros, if you if, without naming names here. He um especially after I left, um, he wasn't protected by the manager. He wanted to experience pros who were playing in similar situations, um, squeezed him out of this thing for their own benefit. But, I mean, he's proved his his, his quality um, You know, thereafter um, at Rangers and back at Southampton. and did you just come back to Rangers? Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. back at Rangers. So, you know, he's had an exceptional career. It's no, it's no surprise that Les Reed he who was, he was with me at Fulham, brought him back to... And and he showed his integrity as well because he wouldn't leave on a free would he? made them pay money for him, didn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, great character. Um and, you know, pleased to be involved with, you know, the development of, of him, certainly as a young player at Northern Ireland and um at Fulham, if um not quite successfully. But, you know, and Johnny Evans as well, another young lad who I see, you know, still playing today. I mean, I remember when he first came into the squad we were struggling for, for a we wanted to play eleven versus eleven, we didn't have enough injury, so asked the youth team manager to send over a couple of players and Johnny turned up and he's played left back, he's played right back and one of my coaches has come across and he said, he should be in the team. <laughs> you know, it, he's in the under-21s, so he should be in the team. And I thought, he should be in the play team. So, uh, we lost to, um, I think we lost to, I think he made his debut against Spain, didn't he? Yes, he did. I mean, can you imagine, tw- what was he, 21 of that, making his debut against Spain? And they had the three forwards and they Torres, Raul, and I'm trying to think of the other forward um, they had at the time as well. They had three big forwards for Spain, can't remember. But it made his well be a left back, so he's, he's both feet, but he's a right foot normally, but he but made it. And during the course of the game, um, all three Spanish forwards went over thinking, where's the young lad, I'll have a go at him. And they all came back <laughs> to the <laughs> other side. Um, they'd all wandered over that pitch saying, yeah, I'll get up against this young kid. Um, and they all wandered back. Um, so I remember, you know, that debut, and I see, as I say, I see him now still playing. And you're thinking, yeah, it's 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 so, uh, you know, to see someone do well after what you you helped to do at the beginning, certainly internationally.
1: Hi, I'm Warren Freeney and you're listening to the Northern Ireland Podcast, Lloyd, So expectations is certainly something that you gave back to the Northern Ireland fans, but. I'd think I'd be right in saying there wasn't many expectations going into that away game against England, but just tell me about that home game against England and, uh, and what happened after that game.
2: Yeah, I mean we obviously lost the the away game four 0 didn't we? Which was um, disappointing, but not unexpected to be fair. Um, you know, it wasn't a whim. It was at Old Trafford as well, which uh, my son was mascot, which was quite nice, and he was the only. All the rest were English mascots, I remember talking to him he said, all the rest were just English fans that had um, Northern Ireland shirts on because they had to drag one out each. (laughs) He was the only person involved in Northern Ireland. So we come to get them at home. Um, Yeah, the thing I remember most uh, from that game is that um, it's the challenge after about 10, 15 seconds that set the tone. Name centre forward escapes me. Wayne yeah,
0: sure. Rooney,
2: no, half centre forward, um, oh. tall guy. It will come back to me. But after 10-15 seconds, he's clad um, One of their players, the first challenge of the game, and that set the tempo for the game. I mean, we were, um, we knew what we had to do, and we were right at it that night. I mean, it was, it was, you know, when they had. Beckham playing sort of quarterback that game, I think, and they decided he, he wanted a little roll off quarterback. And to be fair, they were gracious in defeat. I mean, Sven came across and said, "You know, congratulations, well done." And then Beckham came across as well and said, "Well done" after the game as well. But um, I've got a picture. I, I think it's been reproduced a few times of the Healy goal, isn't it? From you know, from being on side, um, turns around and it across the keep. I've got I've got um, a picture, a painted picture. I've got a, a mouse mat. I've got um, I think I've got a cup holder, Um, got the Healy shirt. I mean, um, he signed a shirt for me as well after that. Um, I don't give many players' shirts, but I thought that's one to get get signed. Um, It was just, you know, it it was probably, I wouldn't say it was the turning point in what we did, but certainly it was the end of a championship and it it sort of set the tone for what we could do next time round. You know, again, we were 100 100 places below... um, England at that time, the world ranking. So for, to beat them was was absolutely phenomenal. I think Sven got panned for it. I think it was the only competitive game, only um, qualifying game that Sven lost. I think some some ridiculous stats. Mom told me once, or World Cup qualifying stats. The only one he lost ever lost. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it it opened. I could see the players after the game. Um, it opened their eyes to what could be achieved. You know, this bloke had come from England who wasn't really Northern Irish despite the fact his mum was born, there only had three cats, but you know, um, as William McFall famously said to me, Danny Wilson and Kevin Wilson when we first joined the squad, said, I know you three aren't English, but so that's that's always stuck with me, you know. So yeah, I mean I, I had to earn the right for a non uh, Northern Irish man if she wanted to take over. And I think that uh, that game I think everybody in the dressing room and the players and the squad thought, well, he ain't talking rubbish. He does know what he's doing. We can do some of the stuff that he said that we could do. Up until the England game, I think, that I think not everybody was on side. Every, certainly amongst the players and certainly amongst the press. I think after the England game, they said, we get it now, this is it, we get it, we just beat in England. i i can go back to my club on Saturday or against all the England players and say, yeah, we we'll just beat you lot, you know, which was novel for them because they they'd been in that situation, they'd been the brunt of the jokes, oh, you got beaten by, Malta, well, you got beaten there, you got beaten by Canada, you know, and it I mean, much is just banter, but <laughs> you want to fight back against it. So when you walk into your club having beaten England, um, you're thinking, you know, that gives you real credibility in the dressing room. Oh, what's going on there? You're doing something right, you know, international, you've got a chance now. And um, that was the sort of first real major, I think hurdle that got us got some credibility into the into my staff and myself um, and to the team as well within themselves as a group of players we could do
0: this we were talking to Stephen Craigan one of the yeah one of the episodes we did the start of this and he was talking about the build up to that England game and one of his quotes that had me astounded he said that you had the capability of making them believe he said that before the game you were saying I only think that a certain number of you believe. I think we, you know, we need this number of people to believe. And he said before the game, Chris Baird came up to him and said, "We can beat these lot." And Craigan said at that moment he thought, "We can beat these lot." Was that something you did before the game? Was it kind of just making players believe at what they could do? Was it?
2: It's a very difficult thing when you take over a group of players that've been beaten, 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 beaten. Not won for that length of time. Not scored a goal. Not even scored a goal win thirteen. How can you go thirteen games without scoring a goal? I mean, it's almost impossible to do, isn't it? I think that it would work, in fact, don't they? Four or five times. But so there, there were you were beaten down mentality, um, and that's what I was trying to change. And um, by the time of the England game, we'd gone to the Caribbean. We had a good run. You know, we had a little few few bit wins, you know, we started on the path, we'd lost some games, of course. I think half of them were onside. I think half of them were probably not fully onside, and half of them were there still making their minds up which way to go. I think after the game, I think three quarters and more were fully onside. And I just had to weed out the ones that weren't onside, and there were still a few people still onside. And 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 over the course of the next time, I weeded them out. And you know, there's there's good players. If you look at that squad, that were available, that weren't in the England squad, um, and weren't in the squad against Spain. And they'll look back at it and, and thinking, and there'll be people like Steve Craigman, With the greatest respect to Stephen, was a you know. I didn't have Johnny Evans. Well, I did have Johnny Evans at the time, but I preferred Stephen Cragan the centre half because his, his 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 relationship with Aaron Hughes was so good. And but he was a workman. I mean, and he you know his, his strength was he was a workman. He, he 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 did all those nasty things. He he was a solid solid player. Um, he wasn't a Premier League player by any stretch of imagination, but he played in that squad and he was in he was crucial to that squad as any Premier League player. Um, and yeah, I mean it. Um. That game was a turning point in that respect for the, for the mentality of the squad. And I think after that, I think um, I think you know we could go on from there. Hi, I'm Michael O'Neill, and you're listening to the Northern Ireland Podcast.
1: So after that result, and then obviously the absolutely massive game against Spain, how, how did things change for you even? Just like walking around Belfast,
2: like how, people, how did it change people treat you? Did you ever have to buy a drink again? <laughs> to be fair, I've got to say, Northern Ireland fans have been fantastic to me. Um, even in the early days, from the moment I took over, you know, it was a, an Anglo-Irish um than an Irish manager. Um, Jimmy Nickel would have been a hero to him from his time with, you know I think the big thing I've got to say I've got to mention is is, is Gerry Jerry on board, Jerry Armstrong. Um and I think at the interview stage when they say, you yeah. know, you've interviewed quite well and I think I can quite talk well in the interview, um, and they said, um, "Who's going to be your assistant?" And I said, "Jerry Armstrong." And they go, "Jerry, he's going to be." I said, "Yeah, he's agreed to be my." Assistant. Oh, I see, And I think then you can see one or two of the people suddenly they're get their heads up. You know, the committee thinking. Oh, credibility level goes up with that. And I remember meeting Jerry at the Hilton just down the road here, the one I mentioned to you, which you can see from the motorway. Um, I said, "Jerry, I'm going to meet up in that." And I said, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. So we met there at the Hilton. On, I was coming back from London, and um, I said, "I've got the job." And he said, you what? He said, I've got a job. <laughs> this is, <to> my <laughs> assistant. <laughs> assistant didn't even think I was gonna get a job. Um, <laughs> he said, uh, how'd you do that? I said, don't worry about it, I did that mate. If I can do that, we can do stuff. So, are you still on board for that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jerry's brilliant. I mean, you know, he, he, he was fantastic with the press. Um, he did all those, he kept the press happy and away from me to a certain extent. We talked to anybody and everybody. And to be fair, going back to the fans, from that first moment, I got, you know, there was, the fans themselves, were, I always felt, um, they were really on my side. Um, they were really good. Um, I don't, I've don't. i never had, even in the way that, the, how it finished and, and after the Spain game, the instance after the Spain game, I've never had fans ever, you know, I feel criticised me, certainly in public, and every time I go to Northern Ireland, I always get a good welcome. Um, but you're right, the Spain game again, so we lose Iceland 3-0, don't we? Um, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, well, to be fair, in hindsight, they looked like they could start to do stuff, and they did. Mm-hmm. I think Johnson was still playing at 38, didn't he? and he had scored a couple of goals or that. And we lose 3-0 at home. In fact, we always lost 3-0 at home first game, didn't we? I think we lost Poland 3-0 at home. It <laughs> yeah. was a tradition where you lost 3-0 at home in the first game, <laughs> you know, you pay? I mean, I always say to, or say to managers in international, if you ever take over, don't worry about your first game, always win the second one because you've got two months between your next game and you can always <laughs> leave on a high because everybody forgets the first game or they remember the last game. Don't lose three, win the first one, lose three on the second and you've got two months to p- pine over it. So we lose three months to Iceland, um, end of the world, um, as it always is in you know football. Um, and it was a turning point, the Spain game. It, it was fantastic and it was probably the beginning of the end of my time in Northern Ireland as well in that... Um, Players have gone into town after the game, after the ice and going. There's no curfew Saturday night, you know. We were stuck at the Hilton in um, our town. Players have gone into town, I suppose, they one. And some of them being been photographed in the nightclub with a bottle of champagne on the table and they, between them. Um, not the cleverest thing to do. I went okay. down the lift and um, David, he says, uh, have You seen the pay this morning, Gaffer? I said, No. He said, Well, I've just got to say I'm sorry. I said, Boy, what is it? He said, Well, you'll see it. So, obviously I'd come down breakfast, so I'm shaking the paper. I think we're, if, Saturday night, there's breaking no curfew. If they think that's what they want to do and get caught photographed in it, you know, it's nothing to do with me. But it, it. I was disappointed that everything we've done with the online was all good feel-factor that, and, and, the, and the sports journalist sports tell you it's nothing to do with them, it's the news journalist, blah, 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 but anyway so um, we have a training session up Wednesday in the morning I say to the players look we've all seen the paper I'm not going to take any action because you f- f- you know it's not the cleverest thing to do I mean, lost 3-0 at home on a Saturday night to go out on the town, you know show you know as if you don't care but it's your choice it's not mine there's no curfew i not breaking any rules of mine um, but um, you know I'm not going to have anything to do with the press after the game one way or the other um, just to show my you know anger at it Um, Whether you talk to him or not he's down to you, it's not for me to tell you what to do, but that's what I'm going to do, I'm not talking to the press full stop, whatever the result of the game. So we start the game. Uh, I drop Mike Taylor um, for the first time, which is always a big decision. Um, Roy Carroll in goal. Gets injured after about five minutes, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell Mike, look Mike, you've been dropped and, you know, and be he didn't take it particularly well, Mike, I said, but you've got a chance now to be involved in a great night and be a massive era. So whatever your thoughts prior, while you sat on the bench here, get on, Flamie, do your job, and be fair, did. They um, do scores, uh, we go down behind, don't we? Yeah. Go behind, yeah. twice, twice yeah. come back, come back twice. go behind, come back. And then the great kick for the third goal, um, where you know, Mike, we practised it as well. I, 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 David was quite quick, I mean he doesn't look quick, but he is quite quick. Certainly over short distances. And we'd always practice catching, kicking, you know. Once he catches it, split, and he try and hit you in those goals. And it was a classic of what we'd done, um, caught, cool, kicked, him versus Puyall, lobster keeper. Um, you know. Great goal. Uh, one of the things we've been working on all, all my time with Dave Besson, we've been working with, with Mike back, He might have weren't the greatest kicker in the world, but David in trying to ping that ball. Um, and we've been 3-2. I mean the other goal, to be fair, is, is the, the straight up the training ground with the free kick goal where they all come in and again, you know, when you see stuff on a training ground that you've you worked at and it it reinforces everything you're doing. People if people if they score goals from it, people say, well, good, was good. You know, let's next time we do something, let's make sure we do it. Sometimes you do set play players that my sport and they go through the motions and you're thinking, This isn't really going in. But when they when they get it and it works, you see next time you ever do anything on the training field, people say, Oh that worked last time or you say to them, Wait, this is how we score goals, work at it. Um that, that game is you know great pleasure as well. When everybody goes like that and Davey comes around and whacks it in, you know. Um, so we win three two. classic um there weren't scrappy goals either, you know. Great, it's a great there were three, great hat trick, goals. Yeah, it's a great hat. And we come back uh, after that game. I think Spain lost the following game to Sweden or Denmark, one of them. And after that, they didn't go undefeated again in a competitive competition till they come out of two World Cup, two European Championships. They won all. the Euros and the World
0: Cup, and then fought. the Euros again. Yeah,
2: they didn't lose another competitive game, qualifying competitive game, or, or if they did over the next six, seven years, it was one or two. Thing. They lost in the Confederations Cup in that one in South Africa prior to, but they they won the three competitions back to back, didn't they? Um, so that, and he was on the verge of getting a bullet because that, that game and then lost the next game. Um, and you know, it was, but I'd, I'd been because of that newspaper arc in the morning, rightly or wrongly, I'd been. I, I said, that The chief executive's come in and said, uh, Are you doing, doing press? I said, I'm not doing press. He said, In fact, I'm going home. Uh, as soon as um, I want to get out of here. Um, I said to Bess and Dave, you know, I'm, I'm going to think about what's going on here. because, And it, I came back, but I think thereafter, I had a meeting with the press. Um, basically, I said, look, any access you had to me before, you can forget. Um, don't phone me up outside of press conferences. Don't talk to, me, uh, you know, you might have my program a bit, but don't contact me outside of it, official so, I'll give you the 15 minutes um, before the games and the time afterwards, but that's it. I'm not doing any more. Um, we had a, a meeting in, um, in a hotel in Belfast. I was asked to come over um, and I said, basically, you've got, I don't know how many games i have left at that time, it's my end of my contract. You've got 10 odd games to get me and I've got 10 games to get out of here before you get me. So, subsequently, when the Fulham job came up, it was a no brainer much as I'd have loved to have stayed, although I was never offered another contract. Um, I had no contract offer um, from the IFA. It was, I thought, I can get out here before results turn around, and they do have the ability to to get the fans on, not the fans on board, but once you lose results, then your credibility with fans starts to drop, as every manager does. And at the moment, at this time I was on a high with the fans. Well, I've got to say that, the major error I made, it was a major error, and I've got to hold my hand up to it, was the way I left. Um, obviously, the, I'll give you the background of why I left, but what I should, and, and to be fair, Fulham put me under pressure at the same time, which basically they were saying that after Kevin Keegan had done England and Fulham at the same time fired, not being happy with it, and he wasn't prepared to go up with another manager um, doing both. And what I should have said and didn't, was I should have at that time, and I was, they wanted me to be manager, and so I was in a really strong position would say, look, I'll let me do the Northern Ireland games until the end of the campaign or when they can no longer qualify. That's what I should have said, because I had three of the team in my squad anyway, um, Hughes, Bed, and Davis. Um, and I should have put my foot down and said, look, until such time in Northern Ireland had a qualification for the World Cup, let me do the games. And to be fair, two international weeks, I went to New York and I went to Flaming in Venice. And I said to the boat, the chief executive said to me, where are you going, where are you going with the international, where are you going? I said. I'm going. i want to finish my birthday. He said. Um, he said, "Oh, that's great." He said, "I could be running." I said to him, "I could be running international team this weekend, without affecting Fulham one eye over. I could have taken Dave and I could have taken Terry. We could have gone and run the international team for that period. Left the rest of the players because there weren't that many players left because all internationals anyway. In charge of the rest of the coaches, and that is. I, I regret that of all my career. I've got to say that is my biggest regret because. I think we could have still qualified. In hindsight, what happened with Fulham? I mean, I, they're still in the qualification process and I'm out of a job. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous situation. But for the fans and for everybody associated, that I, I feel bad about that, I feel bad about it. But there were reasons at the back of my mind where I felt I have to get out now, otherwise I'm not gonna get out cleanly. Okay, so we'll move on to the Gawa zone. Some questions here for some fans. First one.
0: Hi Laurie, uh, Pete Snodden here. So, as a Northern Ireland fan, whenever you left the job as manager of the national team, um, I was gutted, as were, uh, of the Green and White Army, particularly after the success um, that we had enjoyed under your leadership. So, emotionally for the fans, it was a, a difficult time,
2: um, and I appreciate the lure of the Premier League. But for you, emotionally, how difficult was it to walk away? Um, well, I think you can see in the, in the the answer I gave just before that, if they showed the clip in the right order. Um, it, it, it was a big thing. Um, but I felt I had a target on my back, and it was a matter of waiting for me to fail. We were top of the group. It was a big error not, not pushing for them to stay, stay in charge to see that period out, to see the qualifying period out one way or the other. Um, you know, especially as I had three of the players in my in my in my squad as well at the same time. Um, and it was it was it was horrendous watching and thinking what I would have done and what subsequently happened. And I mean, they came within the last game and not qualifying anyway. I think if I'd have been in charge, we'd have qualified then and there. Um, but the law of the Premier League, you know, we all worked work in the Premier League. I mean, that's that's our goal. And when you get, don't often get a chance to the Premier League. Uh, to be fair, I'd previously been offered a chance at the Premier League, but I'd have had to give up Northern Ireland. Um, but it was only to the end of the season. Someone, not that season, but someone had earlier, in fact it was that season, someone earlier had come to me and said, a club, Premier League side, and said, would you be prepared to manage the end of the season, if you'd have to give up Northern Ireland? And I said, no, I wouldn't. Um, so when Fulham said, you have to give it up, and there's a proper contract, and the contracts and everything. It's a t- it's a really really tough one, but at the end of the day, we all work with the greatest respect in all Ireland. The Premier League is the pinnacle of football as any manager, and you if you're offered the chance, you've got to take the chance. And so I turned it down once. And I thought I like Fulham, I like the club, I like the whole atmosphere of the place. I I had a, I had a clean board to do what I wanted to do. Um, I thought I'm not going to get a better chance to move to a Premier League side and. and so I took it, but yeah, I mean, obviously, as I said earlier, in hindsight, it didn't prove to be the best move, um, and and I should have done more to to pursue standing in charge in all that, because I could have quite easily done the job at the same time, quite easily done the job, but there were factors at both ends stop me doing it. Hey. Mm-hmm. Hi, Laurie, Justin Gani here. Just wondered after the England game, who celebrated the most in the team rooms? <laughs> It's funny, in those days, I mean, the dress rooms, I think they're a little bit better now, aren't they? I um, haven't been <laughs> in them in 10 years or so. But it was pretty uh, pretty bleak in there when we were there. And we had a little cubby hole opposite them when we were sort of, I think everybody celebrated. I mean, it, it was a fantastic achievement. I remember going back to the hotel that night, and um, a friend of mine was over from England, a journalist, and we had a few drinks in a bar, and I think, I don't know what the players did to be fair, I didn't see too much of them. but. It was. I I I think someone told me um, that night that there was a Republic game on in the bars, and they were showing on some bars were showing both games in the bars at at the same time uh, because it was such an achievement. Um, So yeah, I I think I think we all celebrated in our own way, but it was it was a tremendous night. Hi, Laurie. It's Craig here.
1: Who would be your number one transfer, Ariel?
2: Current Ireland squad. Oh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, you know they've done so so well. Um, to be fair, I, I, I'm obviously more attached to my players that I, I had the Davieses and the Evans uh, the, at that time. You know, although I see Will Briggs just gone for four million, hasn't he? I mean, yeah. so you, you know there, there are good players coming through, and Michael has proven that. You know that the you know he's changed the squad around. I look at the team now, and there's. Less and less of my players ten years later. The Johnny Evans and Steve Davis at the end of their careers, aren't they? And it's the new ones coming through. But I think you got, you know, um, obviously this, this this campaign has been a building campaign um, for the next major championship. Um, the relegation doesn't really doesn't really count, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, what will, what will be it'll be measured on is is next major competition, and hopefully um, those players who have got plenty of experience. This competition will will come out and show themselves next time round. Is there
1: anyone in particular in the squad at the moment that you would? Wait- you no, doing?
2: so I, I, Griggie's one I, I, I've looked at, and I thought, can he do it at the top level? And he's gone from Wigan to Sunderland. 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 Now you know it's still not the top level. The top level players are still Evans, Davis when he was at Southampton. You know they need to be playing at that level um, before they you know to make that development. I mean, I think we developed some players like Bailey. I brought into the Premier League. Healy got a chance at the Premier League. Davis got a real chance at the Premier League. on having played at Villa. Um, you know, so they've been brought up into the Premier League. And I think you, the more Premier League players you have, you know, much as you need a good squad, the
0: more Premier League players you have, the better chance you've got of doing good doing good things. Because being honest, obviously, North squad now, well, we don't have many Premier League players, no. and you probably didn't at the time as well. But what? How? How, did, how does it work? Getting the most? Because when these players come together, when are you watching North nine now? you wouldn't look at that pitch and think half of them play in the Football League. You'd think, you know, they are top quality players. When they come together as a team, their standards, I don't know if they raise, I don't know if as a team it works, but how did you find that?
2: Well, I said to them, look, whatever you've done at your own clubs, you know, that's your work, your week, your work when you get there. When we come here, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do at Corinth. This is what we're going to do at Set Place. This is what we're going to do here. This is what we're going to do there. This is the way we're going to play. And I laid down, and this is going to be team Northern Ireland. When we come here. For 10 days, we'll practise that, train that, do that, you do that, and then when you go back to clubs, do what you do at your clubs. So if your club's a footballing club, you get your football, if it's a, whatever type of football they do, you play that. But when we're here, this is what we do. Let's make it plain, this is Team Northern Ireland, this is what we do. Go on the internet, I don't you to say, well, we do this at my club, do this, this is it. Um, and it took a bit of time for people to buy in, because some, you know, you've got people coming from, in fact, um, McManus was still playing the, league, uh, the, the Irish League at the time, wasn't he? When he was in goal for us, um, and I think uh centre forward came across to. I'd a centre forward. A couple of centre forwards actually played in the Irish League, didn't they, um, at the time? Smithy was there, mm-hmm. and Gary, 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 Gary. Gary who's a Hamilton.
0: Hamilton? Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah.
2: Both. So they're both Irish League players on over. So, and then we had Premier League players. So, we had a massive. So, this is what we do. Um, every If you buy into it, you know, you'd be involved. And, you know, Smithy bought into and got a move across, across the water, didn't he? Um, Gary's managing or was managing, still managing. In, He's manager at Canaveral, yeah. Clenavon, you know. Sure I mean, you know, and he was a lively lively lad in, <laughs> when I had him, but he played some games. So, and we played this way and this is what we did. And some of the players said, no, I'm not to do that. I don't want to do that. It's a bit. You know, not it's not it's not what I do, and that was fine. And, and they, you know, Premier League players, and they didn't play, you know, um, and they missed out on, you know, a great history of four or five years. They missed out on being able to tell their family they beat England at Windsor. They beat Spain before they were the massive great power they are now. You know, they, they missed out on those nights. Um, where was it? Vienna? Uh, was it Denmark? Yeah. Denmark is. Denmark drew with Denmark which was a fantastic night, An unbelievable night. We were under the cosh for 90 minutes. unbelievable um, and we got away with it. Um, but fantastic we've massive the fan base is brilliant. I mean they come to these games and you know and in fact, I think um, where's we in Austria? Austria I, 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 um, the, they're coming to me after they came Austria, the, the thing said your fans won't go home because <laughs> they kept them behind. Said, uh, they said, Can you turn to go home? So I've had to go at the microphone, haven't I? And I've, 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 said, I've always wanted to say this good night,
0: Vienna.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, please go on. Um, but those moments are fantastic. And, you know, so you had to buy into what we were doing. And, and the idea was that we could merge the strengths of, of all the players and if they did this and did this in that route and were prepared to do this then we would all benefit and that's what you have to do at the level of you know when you're England it's different I mean, they're all coming from Premier League clubs they're all party, 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 party so it's just party, party more when you've got <laughs> playing Premier League players who pass the ball to Irish League players who hoof the ball um, you've got to find something that fits everybody and fits their strengths and weaknesses um, I, um, I mean it was, it was a classic I mean I, I remember Mike. Uh, Aaron Hughes got injured in the game before Spain, the Iceland game, he got cut. Doc said after the game, Aaron's going home. I said, what Do you mean Aaron's going home? He said, Well, he's got eight stitches in his eyebrow, can't play on Wednesday night. I said, You know, we're playing Wednesday night. He said, Yeah, we're playing Spain. He said, Yeah, you won't have to head a ball Wednesday night because <laughs> they'll pass, 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 pass. He won't have to, you know, playing England, yeah, he's going to have to be, he won't have to head a ball. He went heading one ball that night. Um, and he didn't even have to add that, but he headed one ball and he's playing with eight stitches and he's to, uh, got to send it in home. Um stories go on and on, I mean, when they when you when you think back on them. But I have got to say it's you know, I've had great places at you know, a good time at Fulham, there's good and bad at all clubs. I've gotta say in Northern Ireland, I mean I can only say great things about how what the players did, how the fans were what we did as a team, my staff, Jerry, um, who all contributed towards it. Um, there were so many positive aspects from that. It's a job I left thinking we've done the best we can. Um, we've all we've all achieved more than perhaps we should have achieved, um, and hopefully um, it can be used as a stepping stone onwards to the next
0: step. Hi, uh, I'm Trevor Carson, and you're listening to the Northern Ireland podcast. Hi, Laurie.
1: Stephen here. Can we expect to see you back in management
0: anytime soon? And if so, do you prefer club or international management?
2: Um, I've got to say I, I loved international management and given the chance I would manage internationally again tomorrow. Um, I can understand why Michael, um, I, who I understand is that office to manage at club level, prefers to manage at the level. I certainly see It's a uh, Personally, it's a great lifestyle. Um, allows you an opportunity to develop yourself outside of the day-to-day activity of a club. Um, sometimes, day-to-day activity of players can drain you. Keeping twenty young men happy, who are all burning more than you, and like doing their own thing, is a difficult. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do successfully for any length of time. Um, and whereas international management. You are given time, you're given campaigns, you're already sacked during a campaign. So you know what you've got um, to do, and you're, how long you've got to do it. It allows you to plan, allows you to put your things in. The only thing you haven't got is you haven't got loads of games, I mean, um, now with all friendlies being taken out and all being competitive games, you're perhaps judged a little bit more on a game-by-game game basis rather than just, well, it's friendly, don't worry about it, it's the international account, main international Which isn't a bad thing. Um, so I've got to say, yeah, if I had a chance, I'd, international would be my preferred option. And I love travelling. I've got to say, I love travelling. I mean, it's fantastic. The places you see that you wouldn't normally see. You go to Azerbaijan, you know, go to giant Stadium, you know, you play in Soldier's Field. I mean, uh, go to the Caribbean and experience all that. The, the, the travelling is, is is a massive, massive um, add-on to the job. So, um, but with regards to myself, I'm doing MB at the moment. Uh, I'd like to go in and more... The chief executive situation oversee a club, I think, rather than actually be at the the cutting edge. You know, to put managers in place, to decide on the way a club is going to go. I mean, I've done the managing thing for a length of time, Um, and there's always someone above you dictating ultimately where you go and what you've got to do it with. And I'd like the situation to be the person saying, "Well, this is this is the club. This is where we're going. This is how we're going to do it." And manager and appointing a manager and technical
0: director and people like that are a part of that process Finally for myself I mean obviously you looking back in Northern Ireland career it sounds like you obviously have fond memories of it and oh, at the end of the day the fans look at I think we call it this and I think the fans call it the, you know the Laurie Sanchez days you know mm. those those famous years How where does that all rank when you look back on your career Oh it, it, achievement wise
2: you know that is probably alright I got looking into the semi-final of the FA Cup I got to managing the Premier League, which, you know, um, not very long, but I did get managed in the Premier League. But that, my time at Northern Ireland, those four years, I've got to be, three and a half years, I've got to be probably my consistently happiest time. Stressful at times, especially early on when we were trying to get credibility about what we were trying to do. Um, Working with great friends like Dave Besson, Terry Gibson, um, obviously Jerry as well. and winning those marquee games, you know, people remember I was at Windsor Park when we beat in, and I was at Windsor Park. We didn't, we didn't do it, if we'd done it at Wembley it would have been great, but you would have had all mm. the fans there. You had the fans there. Um, you know, we didn't do it in Spain, we did it at Windsor Park, coming from behind, you know, twice. Those nights will stay with me, you know, and do stay with me. Um, I was looking at my memorabilia the other day. I probably got more memorabilia up for my career in my house than I have of any other any other club Um, you know um, as a player as well so they were probably the highlight in hindsight of of my managerial career what we achieved there from the start we had to the where we left top of the group World Cup qualifying group above Spain above Sweden above Denmark halfway through and as I say the other side of that is the regret you think well should have finished the job should have I stayed to finish the job but I certainly should have put my foot down and, and, and attempted to do it from from Fulham. You, men-
1: you mentioned your career outside uh, Northern Ireland there and it just reminded me we have to we have to ask about this, the Teletext player? Roy Essendon, <laughs> He was from Northern Ireland I think. Yeah, I believe so, how close was he to getting uh, a call I'm
2: not sure I understand. And I think the answer to that has been answered. <laughs> Great story Um, for someone to come from there to where we got him. Centre forward scored one goal that year, and that was against Leicester to get us through the quarterfinal to the semi final. Didn't have a club, wasn't cup tied, was a centre forward, and then scored a goal, scores that goal. You couldn't write it, and and literally his agent saw teletext and and phoned us from teletext. It's a movie written to happen, isn't it? Really is, really is.
1: But I think finally I just want to say like from the Northern Ireland fans especially, just a massive thank you to everything that you give to, to our fans and a uh, big, big good luck for the rest of your
2: what, what you're doing. Thank you. No, and thank you to them as well. As I say, um, apologies
0: how it ended, but you no know, great time to well, thank you to Laurie Sanchez for his time in today's honest and insightful podcast.
1: You can see this episode and all the others on YouTube, iTunes and Spotify. So make sure
0: you're subscribed to see them first. That's obviously the end of today's episode, but we'll see you next time and we'll see you here next week as we begin our Euro 2020 qualifiers against Estonia and Belarus. Are we walking out shall we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Armstrong!
2: Have scored for Armstrong! It's a good ball, the flag stays down. He-
1: It's job done now.